Hey, Jake. Yeah? Where do you put an injured insect? I don't know where. Into an ambulance. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is episode 189, and I'm your host, Steven Dutzman, as always. This is the official video game and board game podcast for EngageFamilyGaming.com. EFG is a website where parents like myself and my co-hosts come together to give everyone the information they need to get their family game on. This week, I am joined once again by the Princess of Power, Amanda Farrow. How are you? I'm so much better now that we're podcasting, I gotta say. I know. It's been... (laughs) um, I I have begun to notice a distinct change in your body language when I do my intro... (laughs) If you would like, I will record it so you can just play it on your phone. Um, I think that's a wonderful idea so that I can just always have it with me and yep, get, a little pep, get a little pep up in the middle of the day where I'm just like, oh, I'm going to podcast now. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's like tricking your body. It's like doing, it's like a walk-up song for a baseball player, you know? Um, I don't. You don't. I've never watched a baseball game in my life. Okay, so baseball players I'm a really, have a... I'm a really bad American. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Wait, yeah, wait, let me say, say it right. Sorry. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> don't you mean sorry? Um, I mean they sorry. Don't, they don't have this for goalies, like when they get in the net, like they don't have a specific song that they play? I don't think so. Okay, so in baseball, obviously a big portion of that game is taking turns, and it is a yes. very big deal for players when they are going up to bat, which I'm guessing you are at least somewhat familiar with. Yes. Um, I understand uh, the sport, I just don't understand the spectacle. Okay. One of the ways they add to it is when, if I were to come up to bat, I would select a song that would be my walk-up song, and it could be any number of shenanigans, so my intro to the podcast could be your walk-up song, and that's okay. It's to psych you up. Um, Fun fact. Sometimes you need it. I don't even need to special record the intro. I record it literally every week. Um, So. Speaking of recording that's things gonna be every my new week. Ring. It's going to be my new ringtone. That's fair enough. That's going to be super weird. I'm sure no one around you would think that was odd at all. <laughs> um, but if that's what you want. I enjoy creeping people out. So right. that's what I'm here for. Great. I mean, if that's what you want, uh, any other special requests, let me know. So uh, before I go too much farther, I do want to say uh, that you are not just the princess of power, but you are also the uh, editor-in-chief of superparent.com and gamedaily.biz. Um, and speaking of superparent.com, this podcast is produced in partnership with superparent.com. Everyone head over to their various socials and like them and follow them, etc., etc. So uh, it's board game week, and it is three weeks before Gen Con, where you are going and I am not, and I am jealous. Oh, it was super last minute. My husband decided, he's like, hey, we've never been to Gen Con. Want to go to Gen Con? I'm like, I could go to Gen Con. So... That's what we're doing. So are you going, going as press? No, actually. I, I'm I'm not going as press. I'm reaching out to some of my fave developers and publishers uh, to let them know that I'm going to be there. So if they have anything they want me to see or, you know, experience or anything, great. But I'm mostly going there just to chill. Weird. Uh, yeah. yeah I don't, do like, you know how to bit. chill at a convention? No, you don't. I think we broke me. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, so uh, I don't know that I could go to a convention and chill either. 
Um, at this point, I'm just so used to the pace of like walking from booth to booth and doing my thing. Um, tell me you're going to go see North Star Games. I'm hoping so. Yeah, it's on um, my list. Bruce is going to be there, and he is great. Um, I can send you a link to his calendar. You can book him. Um, so, um, and they, they're so good. They're so good. But do you, although, do you guys have Quacks of Quedlinburg already? We sure do. Right, we well love then. that game. Yeah, me game too. Is dope. It, me too. Um, my copy's coming after Gen Con. Um, uh-huh. So... Um, so you're going to Gen Con, so you're yes. not going to be covering it as press. However, I would expect that if people follow you on Twitter, at Amanda Farrow, they will at the very least see selfies of you everywhere. Yes. Because that's, that's your brand. Um, my humble request is a picture of Lucas of the inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. That's where the Colts play. I know you don't know who they are. It will be very obvious. There will be a horseshoe everywhere. That's oh, like where. That's where the Gen Con. Like this is how crazy Gen Con is. Their overflow is in is where an NFL team plays. Gen Con is absolutely bananas. It I've is, heard it's completely bonkers, but I just don't know what to expect. I just figure I'll show up and wing it, and we'll see. I mean, you've been to E three. So, if you've been to E3, then you I've can... I've never winged E3, though. Yeah, but but you don't... You've never won E3 because you had, like, you were working. Yes. Now you, you have nothing... Like, a successful weekend at Gen Con is, did I play some board games? Did I buy a board game? Did I remember to eat throughout the day? Not how many pictures did I take? How many interviews did I do? Like... You what was my to... content plan, and did I hit it? Yeah, exactly. You're not... It's a very different experience. Um, I'm going to my own little convention uh, this weekend. I'm actually going to Kineticon, where Ooh. I will be... So if you're... So in, on Friday, when this goes out, um, I will be prepping to head to Kineticon at the Hartford Convention Center, uh, where I will be a judge for the Connecticut Festival of Independent Games for the third year running. Oh, dang. Um, I like to say that I'm big stuff, but it's really because I know the guys. Um, and uh, I will be specifically guess what? Guess what categories I'm the judge for? You'll never guess. You'll never guess the digital cat- the digital games category. Whoa! And the family games category. Holy moly! Everybody's just totally losing their mind. Um, there are some other very developer and and designer focused categories that I was like, I'll let y'all do that. Because um, I just want to see who does something weird with hippos or whatever. Like, That's fair. We'll be fine. Um, and that is this weekend. So it's Friday uh, when this podcast goes up. So make sure you check out my Instagram feed um, because on Friday and Saturday I will be at the convention. Um, they have a giant arcade with some bananas free play arcade machines. So I will probably spend some time in there playing like Dance Dance Revolution or some stuff nonsense. If for nothing else, just to have a video of me playing Dance Dance Revolution, taken by a stranger. Brilliant idea. Um, So definitely take a look at our uh, Instagram. And then Sunday, Linda will be there. Um, They will be back from Maine, and she will be there finishing up cleanup for me. Um, The 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 Connecticut Festival of Independent Games and the Boston Festival of Independent Games, which is coming up in September, um, not September sometime in September or October, one of those two, which I, um, if I haven't told you about yet, uh, Amanda, you should totally come with me. Um, where are we going? 
I like doing things. The Boston Festival of Independent Games. Oh um, yes, I I'm familiar with the Boston Fig. Yeah, so you should definitely come with me because then we can hang out for a day. Um, and so these are two of my favorite conventions because they're small, and I get a I get a lot of time to sit and talk with the developers and the designers. Um, and I've seen some really great stuff come out of these shows. So that's great. I'm very so I'm going to see the little stuff. I'm going to be amongst the people. And you're going to go to the Super Bowl of board game conventions. I am. Wait, I'm sorry. The Stanley Cup of board game conventions. I understood most of the first reference. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Okay. You at least knew the words. They were in English. So They were, they were not, in fact, in Greek. So I feel like we're, we're already how to moving Super in the right direction. Um, I'm that. also going to um, Playcrafting. In New York City, which is an independent game festival just when for is New that? York. That's at the beginning of August, right after Gen Con, I think. Like I the weekend in, after. I think I got invited to that, too. Playcrafting is legit, dude. There's going to be some super, super cool games. I went to the Bit Awards in December of last year, and I loved it. And that's where I got to see a bunch of very, very cool playcrafting games. If I, like, went, would you make sure I didn't die in the city? It's really difficult to die in the city, but yes. I mean, have we've met? Um, oh, it's August. Times, yes. We've met. You know that I'm I'm helpless. I'm not really helpless, but you're really not. Um, yeah, if I the big I, city scares you, yes, I will protect you. The big city scares me. The big city scares me. Um, yeah, I, I guess I I did get an invitation. Um, and I've been thinking about it. Maybe I should go, if for nothing else, so I could see you. Um, um, okay, so. All navel gazing aside and bragging about where we're going, we're really going. What's really exciting about the fact that we're going to all this stuff is that when we get out of convention season, the two of us um, and Linda also are going to have so much more stuff to talk about. Um, and these between Gen Con and these two independent game festivals and three, technically, if you include playcrafting, like these really end up being, you know, kind of defining the next six to nine months to a year worth of games that are coming out maybe even yep. longer so um gives us our fingers on the pulse of what's happening absolutely um, but our topic today is not those things um because those are just kind of giving people a heads up for programming we have two topics today one of them uh we're going to talk about some collectible card games because there have been expansions to two i would say two of the largest collectible card games uh on earth right now of like four but whatever they're two of the it's largest. Cool. Um, cool. And then uh, we're going to do a little bit of a grab bag because both Amanda and I have played a bunch of board games. I just got back from a thing with the uh, Gamers with Jobs podcast crew and played a bunch of games, of which I am very excited to talk about. Um, so, yeah. Sound good, Amanda? I'm super into it. Super Let's into do it. it. Okay, so first, let's talk about Transformers. Did you know that Transformers is just releasing its third expansion? That's huge, man. Game's um, been out for what, like a year? A year. Um, guess who makes that game? Wizards it, of the Coast. It's yeah. And Heck it yeah. shows. Um, they are. Listen. Um, when someone told me before this game was released, right? When they announced, when they sent out the press release, literally anytime something says Transformers and involves a game, someone shares it with me on Facebook. 
That's just what happens. You should Sounds get used right. to it now that you're friends with me on Facebook, Amanda. Not that we haven't been friends for a very long time, but they haven't had a giant Transformers announcement. I get tagged 14 times, so just get Ten used times. to that. Your, okay. your, your notifications will be bananas. Because um, okay. everyone shares them with me, and I was like, you know what? I want to be excited, but collectible card games are really hard to get excited about. And then I read the articles, and I was like, oh, but this is being done by Wizards of the Coast, yeah. and they know what they're doing. Um, it's true. And it absolutely shows. Um, yeah. So the third expansion is called uh, War for Cybertron. It's the War for Cybertron trilogy. This yeah. is episode one, Siege. So specifically, yeah. it is called Siege, War for Cybertron. Yeah. Um, which means... Obviously, folks, they're doing a block. It's bananas. They're doing a block. It's like playing Magic all over again. Um, although Magic doesn't have blocks, but whatever. It's like playing Magic ten years ago. Um, the, um, the 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 cover art on these packs is really dark. I, it of... looked dark even just from like the booster box set. Yeah. I I haven't cracked mine open yet, but man, it's got it's... a very angry Optimus Prime on it. I mean. Oh, you can pretty, see it through the webcam. That's a very, it's a very intense Optimus Prime. So He's pretty pissed. The the big change in this set, um, which I think is actually a fundamental change, and is probably one that is going to carry on ad infinitum. I think um, that was super nerdy. Uh, that means basically forever, guys. Um, <laughs> um, Nerd alert! Ad infinitum. It's not infinitum. It's ad infinitum? Yes. Also that. Whatever. Thanks, Mike. It's going to happen forever. Um, is So they always used to come with... Every pack would come with one foil Transformer card. Which, by yeah. the way, the fact that they come with foil cards just as the like the base is, I think, really like, fancy. Like, that's super amazing. Um, and they're cool, and they come with the Transformers, be it Autobots or Decepticons. But now they have smaller ones. Um, mini bots and mini cons, etc. Um, oh man, mini cons. Yeah. So, like, this pack that I opened has Stakeout. And nice. these still count as Transformers. They are, you play them on your battlefield, etc. They obviously have smaller stats. They're um, small with an O? Um, yes, small. Um, small. However, some of them are equipment. So they start really? as a robot. Yes, they, well, as, as is following through with various generations of Transformers, sure, yeah. there were dudes that turned into guns, rocket launchers, helmets, heads, etc. Um, so they are dudes that when that they fight like normal, but when they get beat up and die, rather than going to the scrapyard, or whatever they call it, um, they transform into a gun that is an upgrade that you can equip to a Transformer. Um, which is just straight up extra value. It means that if you kill me, I draw a card and get to play an upgrade. Um, which I don't. For those pe folks that are not students of the collectible card game thing, that's called card advantage and is very good. Very you helpful. always want more stuff, more material, and to have a transformer that does something after it gets beat up, even if it's relatively weak, is pretty cool. Um, obviously, it's. You know, all, not all of them are going to be great. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a handful that are really good and some of them that are just kind of bleh. Um, but I think it's it's super rad. The cards are cool, and they are also foil, just like their bigger counterparts. 
Um, the bot side is the foil, not the vehicle or the gun. Okay. So the it. robot side is foil, just like with the bigger cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so each pack comes with a big character, a little character, and then six battle cards, which are what you use for the decks. Um, and that's... It, it, and some people might be used to Pokemon packs or Magic packs where they get 15 cards. You might think, well, it doesn't feel like enough. Remember, you can only include three copies of a given card in yeah. each and the decks deck. the small. And the decks are 30 cards. So yeah. you don't need as many in order to really build yeah. something. Exactly. Um, you don't need 60 cards to build a cohesive deck that's going to actually be effective in battle. Correct. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. And also... Uh, once you have a Transformer, you have that Transformer. Um, you don't have to have multiple copies of them. You can just have one, which does some weird things to the market value, af- the aftermarket value for some of them, because some of the very good Transformers become incredibly expensive. Um, however, you know, if you're just playing casually, like once you have Cup, you have Cup. Like, you don't need four copies of Cup and to wait to pick him up. I say Cup a lot because he's one of my favorite Transformers. Um, the grumpy old guy. Go figure, right? <laughs> um, so the um, so that's Transformers. Um, both uh, Super Parent and Engage Family Gaming just got uh, sent some, uh, some uh, product to open for the Instagram and to write about, etc. If you look at the Engage Family Gaming Instagram, you may see a few packs that I already opened because... Yeah, I can't, you can't send me packs of cards and have me not open them right away. I mean, this is you we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. This here. is me. You're way more patient than me. It's not even about patience. It's just about timing. Because I've had... How much time? What is time? Time is a flat circle. I wish I was a time lord. Yeah, you don't have time. Um, yeah. I barely have time, but I made time. Because it's a collectible it's card game with Transformers. So so that's the new set. You're going to see them all over the place. Um, I mean... It's we have from, an Instagram now on the Super Parents. You do? I have followed it. Do. What is the username? Uh, I believe. Oh wait, it why, is... why don't I just look rather than ask you? Super Parent HQ. I think I'm that's right. Pretty sure. Let me double check. Yeah. Uh, no, Super Parent IG. Super Parent IG. That's our. That's our Super Parent Instagram. It's awesome. The uh, managing editor, so um, Brandy Berthelson, is unbelievably fantastic. She runs our Instagram account, and she's a puzzler. So she does Mm. all her puzzles, and she puts them on Instagram. She puts all of our videos on Instagram. So cool stuff on there, and that's where a lot of our Transformer stuff is going to live as well. Ooh, and it looks like someone was playing... Some Dr. Mario, which we will talk about Jeez. next week on yes. the video game podcast. For video games. Um, but in case anybody's curious, Dr. Mario's out on phones. Go get it. Uh, it's pretty good, That's I think. Early. It's supposed to come out tomorrow. Yep. Um, but you knew that was going to happen. Yeah. They do that a lot. Considering what happened with uh, Wizards Unite and Niantic. You so. absolutely say you're putting it out and then put it out a day early so that you don't have servers crashing. Um, Nintendo's smart enough to do that. Um, yes. Okay. So the other collectible card game that just had an expansion is uh, M20. The, 20, the 20th core set. No, it's not the 20th core set. It is the core set of Magic the Gathering that came out and is a, and is coming out uh, for 2020. It's kind of like Madden 20, etc. Um, 
So it is uh, it is out. Um, and along with it, they did uh, some other changes, both for the paper game, but also for Magic the Gathering Arena, which really? normally I would I talk I about. I hear about that. Yeah. So normally I would save some of that for the digital space, for the digital uh, video game port podcast. But uh, in this case, I think it makes sense since it kind of all came out along with M20. I'll talk about that here. So um, the biggest change is one that changed fun- the fundamental rules of Magic. Um, in that mulligans are different now. So if you don't play cards, a mulligan is um, an opportunity to get rid of what you have and get something back. So in card games, it's to get rid of your hand and draw a new one. Um, And at the beginning of a game of Magic the Gathering, you have the opportunity to mulligan. And this is a very important part of Magic, and we're actually working on a feature now that talks about what a mulligan is and how it works, and how to teach your kids to mulligan, because a lot of kids don't understand. Um, And Wizards has changed the mulligan rules, um, I think, like a half a dozen times since the game started. And basically, mulligan rules exist to make it so that drawing random cards does not accidentally cause people to just lose. Because sometimes, that's absolutely what happens. You can build your deck to be around it, like maybe use fewer than five colors... You know, maybe you use just one color or including enough land or whatever. You can deal with some of it through deck construction. Um, And this is the truth with Pokemon also. Um, However, uh, there's nothing you can do sometimes. So um, they hope to make it so that for tournaments um, and also for casual play, people don't just... it, It feels bad to play a game and not be able to do anything. It's true, especially if you're sitting there for like five turns while you wait for mana. Correct, or you know, maybe you maybe in maybe you only draw two Pokemon in your opening hand, um, and you need to wait for more, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, um, it's a mess. So, uh, specifically, Magic experimented with something um, a while ago. They actually did it at a professional tournament um, and had them test it. Uh, they now call it the London Mulligan Rule. So here's how this works. Well, um, walk me through um, this. I'm curious. So historically, if you drew your opening hand of seven cards in Magic the Gathering and you were unhappy with it for any reason, you don't have to... I mean, there, there's any number of reasons why you might need to get rid of it. Yes. Um, you could say, I am going to Mulligan. You would put them back, reshuffle your deck appropriately... Um, and then draw six cards. Wait, 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 wait. What is an inappropriate shuffle? Oh, so you can't just, like... So you have to appropriately randomize your deck. So an inappropriate shuffle would be if you just, like, put them in some piles and, like, you know, did the turtle shell game. Like, you have to actually efficiently randomize your deck and then present your deck to be cut by your opponent. Um... Got it. If you and I were playing, we're we're playing casual magic more likely than not, so the rules are a little bit different. But mm-hmm. you have to randomize your deck appropriately, um, just like playing poker or playing go fish, right? Like when you're shuffling your deck, you don't want it to not be shuffled. So right. you put your in the old way, you would draw seven. If you didn't like it, you put it back, shuffle it up, draw six. If you didn't like those, you put them back, draw five, and so on and so forth. Yes. Until theoretically, that is what I remember. you draw one. Um, and then I really nobody ever got that far. Usually you get down to four and then you just kind of accept your loss. Um, under the new rules, you always draw seven cards. Always, no matter how many times you mulligan. The difference wow. is 
Each time you mulligan, if you choose to hold your hand, you take one card from your hand and you put it at the bottom of your draw pile or your library. Okay. Um, this makes it so that you have an opportunity to dig X, you know, seven cards into your deck and make sure that you get what you need. So it's more likely that you will have fun. Um, this was trialed, proposed. They did a test. The pros loved it. Um, and it, it absolutely it does seem makes it efficient. Um, it is super. Yes, it's great. Um, it's going to be problematic for, say, vintage. Um, where putting something at the bottom of your deck literally doesn't matter. But we don't need to worry about vintage. We're, we're, we're talking about standard. Um, I love that you're talking about like this 20-plus-year-old game that I've been playing my whole life, pretty much. Well, yeah. I mean, minus my breaks. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's, there's pieces of magic that are vintage now. It's like, I'm sorry, what? Well, vintage is the name of a format also, um, which means everything. Um, we don't usually talk about that here. That's the decks that, if you look them up on tcgplayer.com, they have uh, five or six numbers in, in their price. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, if you want like a $7,000 mox or something like that, that's crazy. Um, so this was a new change. This is good for everyone. Um, and I, and it ju- they instituted it along with the new core set. So when you're playing casual magic with your kids, if maybe you're not, in, maybe you don't go to FNM, maybe you guys just play um, at home, um, give the new London Mulligan rules a try. Um, which is, if you know how to play magic, then this should not be a real shock to your system. And if you don't know, then I've probably just been talking like a Peanuts teacher for a little bit, and I apologize. Um, <laughs> But um, all in all, it does it does make the game better. Um, and they made some other changes to like the way that prizes come out of Friday Night Magic and how they support stores. Um, they the are supporting to, stores is huge. They're supporting I heard stores about more. Um, there are going to be more foil cards in packs. They've upgraded the cardboard on cards starting now. Um, there is a card printed in M twenty that had a big error in it. Did you hear about that one? Sure did. Um. Let's let's talk about. Uh, they printed a card where it's true form. It has two toughness, but they printed it with three in some locations, and that's a hot mess because how you gonna recall that? Um, they're not. They just eroded the card, and they're telling all the judges. But man, uh, I know a buddy of mine went to a pre-release tournament and had to remind his opponent every turn because they kept forgetting. And I'm like, you know, I mean, we'll get over it and we'll get used to it. Obviously, it was a pre-release. But yeah. the, it doesn't help that the card was absolutely pushed and in, is intended for competitive play. So sure. we're going to be dealing with it for a year. Um, so that's the paper magic changes. All of them are good um, if you play magic or if you're thinking about it. Um, like I said, Engage Family Gaming, um, towards the end of this month, the beginning of next month, we'll be publishing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, one of those things is going to be basically a parent's guide to mulliganing in card games. So we'll talk all about it. It's going to be cool. That's um, awesome. I will be reading that and I will be sharing that on yeah. the interwebs. Yeah. Um, so then let's talk about Magic the Gathering Arena, which I think is actually um, a great way to get into the game of Magic if you've never played it, it before. absolutely is. It's very cost effective. Yes. Also, they just gave it a battle pass. Sure did. And it's really good. Have you read anything about it, Amanda? Uh, I only, like, I have the email. I've scanned and skimmed the email. Mm-hmm. But I haven't been in Magic the Gathering Arena for about a year now. 
Okay. Because I haven't had any time to play. Because you know you're you, you run two websites and a house yes, with. Yes, we were just talking about the battle pass, Michael. Thank you. Oh, um, thanks, Mike. Um, <laughs> so the um, yeah, it's called the Mastery Pass. Ooh. Um, part of it's because um, you know the the free version of the game because you can play the game without spending money on it. They have. I haven't added, spent any money on that game. Yeah. Um, a lot of people haven't. Um, they have a, um, basically whenever a set comes out now, you can earn experience towards this mastery track, and on that mastery mm-hmm. track was, um, is packs and, uh, foils, more or less, um, that are just animated cards, etc. But if you pay into the Battle Pass, which costs 20 bucks for every set, um, you basically have an additional track, um, which of additional rewards that you can get that include more customization options, a cool like cat thing that sits on the side of your board and like meows at you, and you can click it and make it like set on fire. Um, as one does. As one does. Um, it's pretty cute. Uh, my daughter likes to click it. Um, um, I, I like might to, not surprise. I like to click it and make it uh, blue. <laughs> I don't know why I don't even play blue, but whatever. Um, that's just my favorite color for it. Um, and so the, um, but you know, by the end of it, you end up with, I, I, I we did the math. Uh, I think it's like 40 some odd packs plus a bunch of cosmetic items. Um, plus, you know, I think 14 random mythic cards. Like it ultimately, and it, it ultimately is way worth it. If you play the game every day, if you're a weekend warrior and you don't play a lot, because you you're capped at how much experience you can get on the track, because you have to you earn you get it primarily through quests. At oh. least right now, it's not like Fortnite where you can do it all the time. Um, you know, you could grind challenges constantly. Um, you can't do that. So that's one downside. But Bl- Wizard has already said that they are evaluating that. Um, and one of the things okay. they're hoping to do is give out experience, like give out codes for experience, like online or for contests or at real life magic events, where maybe you can go to a pre-release and or a Friday Night Magic and get a token for two thousand experience or something like that. Um, so they're working on it. This is definitely a, a kind of experiment. This is one of those things. Um, I think battle passes are one of the best things to ever come to free to play games. And um, they they offer so much value if you yeah. play them all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I'm just waiting for World of Warcraft to have one. Um, that, it's only a matter of time. Um, it's really only a matter of time. Um, it basically turns it into a subscription fee that you don't have to pay if you don't want, but you can still play the game. Yeah. Um, and it's great. I mean, we're all used to at this point. I mean, anybody that plays digital games, you probably have a kid who probably gets the Battle Pass for Fortnite every 10 weeks. Um, I know we do that. Uh, we actually have a moratorium on buying skins. Like, we just don't buy anything anymore except oh. for the Battle Pass. If it's not in the Battle Pass, unless it's Link. Literally Link. If Link is not the skin... I just had, got sassed by my 10-year-old. Um, but unless it's Link... Love to be sassed by 10-year-olds. Yeah, isn't it great? Um, it's okay. He's, he's working on getting his brother's uh, 14 days of summer challenges right now so we'll give him a little bit of a break such a good brother um 
I mean, he doesn't. His 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 older brother that is at camp right now. So you know. <laughs> um. So the um. I have been playing it. I bought it. Um. It does what it needs to do. Um. You earn a lot of packs. So if you are a Magic the Gathering player, specifically if you if you play Arena, you probably already made a decision about it. Um. If you've been thinking about playing Magic, I would download Arena because it costs you zero dollars to just onboard and see if it's a game you might like. Also, if you just want to learn how to play, um, the onboarding experience to Magic the Gathering Arena is the best way to learn how to play Magic I have ever seen. Because the game itself is kind of complicated if a human being is teaching you. Like, I've never had a... I've never met a good Magic teacher, ever. And I am not one either. Never met a good one. Yeah, I'm not sure if I have either. Right. I certainly wouldn't count myself among, like, yeah, no. Yeah. I've just never met somebody that's really good. There's lots of people that are great at talking about it, and there are sure. lots of people that are great at talking about cards in general, but I've never met anybody that's really good at teaching magic. Um, it's one of those things Arena's you just have good, to... Though. Yeah, but Arena is great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's those things. Um, the other fun news is we get to hear about... So M20 is out, and just to show everybody how fast magic moves uh we find out about the october set next week at san diego comic-con it's currently codenamed archery and it's brand new it's in a world we've never been to before so it's gonna be pretty cool which is fine because we basically just had magic the gathering end game in april so like that's true i remember that yeah it was crazy um they killed a guy um and it made me cry (laughs) not really um but it came very close. So, um, yeah, that's our our uh, collectible card game update. Um, man, I'm excited. I can't wait to play some more of this Transformers. Um, oh, yeah. We're going to get that to the table this weekend, 100%. Yeah. Um, did you see, by the way, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Blaster versus Soundwave dual deck thing? I sure did. Did that get anyone did else you, in did your... It, did it blow your mind a little? Uh yes. No, I don't. I don't. I haven't showed it to Mike yet, so I don't oh, know man. if he knows. Can you about show? It. Can you show him? Because I want to see. I want to. He. I want it on record. We want on guys. record. Yeah. Michael, can you pause your game? Could you come over here? This is a hundred percent bad. Bad radio for the moment. Remind All him right. no cussing. He's gonna be so upset. Gonna be so mad. Oh, I saw this. Oh, you saw this already? Yeah. They're gonna have it for sale. They're gonna have it. But they're not gonna have. They're not gonna have like the collectors. I mean, we're still. Then I guess I'll have to get you yours at PAX West, my friend. Oh my god! Oh, they're gonna have the fancy ones. They're going to have the fancy ones, yeah. Oh, I yeah. Just want you. Oh, I'm not sure if I got it, so. Okay. Anyway, yeah. so he's excited, and we'll also get you one. We'll also get you one. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Thank you. Um, I will send you the PayPals. Um, so, everybody, um, now that I've just yammered, Amanda, thank you for your patience. Um, g- g- what did Mike say? 
Is he nerding Pax out? Unplugged. Okay, so it's Pax Unplugged, but I can pick you one up at Gen Con. Yeah, okay. I'll be at Pax Unplugged also. I just need to find a place to stay while I am there. I'll be working on all of that crap over the next couple of months. <sighs> what a mess. Anyway, um, all of my plans so far have fallen through. It's been a lot of fun. So, anyway, um, can you tell... It's been a lot of fun. Anyway, yeah. so um, thank you for your patience while I yammer about card games. Um, so why don't we take a very brief break, and then we will come back, and then we're going to just have a grab bag party talking about board games. I love parties and board games and grab bags. Let's do it. See you in a minute, folks. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 189 of Engage, a family gaming podcast. I'm still here. I'm still here with the Princess of Power, Amanda Farrow. We're still talking about board games. Um, actually, we're going to start talking about board games. I know we were talking about card games before. Collectible card games are still board games. They're tabletop games. Okay, fair enough. Thank you for the clarification. You're right. Um, I know I'm pedantic, but that's what I'm here for. Yeah, you are. Well, you are the editor of several uh, video game slash board game slides. Um, you're the experienced journalist. I am a two-bit blogger. So, um, let's talk about board games. Let's do it. You, you, when when we talked about this, you told me that you were excited because you have played a bunch of games. I played board games, which is just hype as all get out. It's super hype. So, why don't you, you know, tell me about a game that you played? I will tell you about a game that I played. So, I played Jaws. I played a lot of Jaws. We played, like... Hey, Mike, how many games of Jaws did we play? Like, what? No, we played more than that. Played three or four. Yeah, we did. So, um, Mike's mom came to visit, and we wanted to get a game to the table, and we had the pre-released copy of Jaws, which is an asymmetrical board game where somebody plays as the scary shark... And everybody else plays as the awesome humans. So you get to play as your faves. There's awesome food. What? They're not food. Friends are, like, humans are friends, not food, Michael. Stupid Michael, his stupid shark. Anyway, so. The shark was definitely not stupid. Shark was not dumb. Shark ate my face off. So... Anyway, so um, I had a lot of fun playing this game. It is incredibly replayable. It's not nearly as complicated as I thought it was going to be, especially if you're playing as the shark. So the shark has its own pad of paper where you record all of your coordinates and like where you're going to be. And the only thing that you have to say is how many swimmers you ate and where. You don't have to tell anybody where you are in the water. In fact, if you tell anybody where you are in the water, you did. They're going to detect you, and that's when you flip the board over to Act 2. So they have to uh, detect you with the barrel okay. twice, and then you flip over to Act 2. So this is a two-sided board game. It's a two-act okay. board game, which is really interesting. There's a, there's a couple of other like USAopoly games that have, this, uh, have a similar mechanic where you play Act 1, and then you play Act 2, and they're completely different. Yeah. The mechanics are completely different. Yeah. So, depending on how the shark does in Act 1, so if it eats a bunch of swimmers, it's going to be way harder to beat them in Act 2. Um, 
Likewise, if the shark doesn't eat enough swimmers, it's going to be fairly simple for the crew um, of the orca to take them down. It's incredibly true to form. The you know it's got that very vintage Jaws feel to it. You know the typography is very Jaws. It's got very you know 1970s, um, 1980s kind of kind of vibes going on with the okay. the UX. So yeah, it's I had a lot of fun playing the game. Uh, it's a close game, no matter who you play as. So if you play as the shark, there's a number of things that you can do to make it a close game. And if you play as the humans, you know you can be really smart and deduce where the shark is going to be, um, depending on how many swimmers they ate and where. And you can mm-hmm. just kind of like figure out based on based on some of the the powers that the shark has. So because you know it's a supernatural shark, so it has supernatural powers. Yep. You so know, yeah, magic shark. Super, yeah, ma- sir, yes, magic shark. <laughs> I've only seen Jaws once. I was like a little kid when I saw it. So I mean, I don't have a ton of connection to the intellectual property to the movie or anything like that, but I know how important it was as a film. So really cool, lots and lots of fun, super replayable. I'm looking forward to getting it to the table again and maybe getting our kids to play it because we've only played it with the adults so far because it's a little bit complicated for little ones, mm-hmm. uh, especially for the shark. So, like, if you put a little kid with an adult playing the shark together, I mean, that's a formidable team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I played a lot of Jaws. I, I like Jaws. I wrote about it on Ravensburger, right? Ravensburger, yes. Ravensburger? It's not, yeah, it's not I, Ravensburger? I've been it's saying not it wrong. Ravens. It's Robbins. I only found that out this year. I, I, I swear to muffins. I, I, I'm new to that pronunciation. I believe you. I know that you would not intentionally lead me astray. Um, I would not, never. Um, and I actually uh, know somebody that works there, so I may have to, um, as of recently, so I may need to go and um, utilize my connections. Um, An intro. I know their PR person. I... Yeah, I, they're not the same person. I don't think. Probably not. Um, I I might, but I I don't know that I need it because I know one of their social people. We'll Got a guy. It out. Got a guy. A gal, but yes. Oh, that's the same thing, right? No. Um, it's not. <laughs> um, but um, okay. So, but you knew that. So I Jaws did. from Ravensburger. Go figure. Yes. I, you learn something new. I've been calling. Literally, fans of the show will remember. I've been calling them Ravensburger for. Uh, almost 200 episodes of this podcast. Um, so I would have done what? the same thing. Yep. I only what? found out it was Robinsberger at uh, Toy Fair. I was there. I saw them there. Well, it's fine. I'm not going to beat myself up too much. Don't beat um, yourself at all. Don't worry about it. It's okay. So yeah, there's there's no cops. Um, all right, let's talk about stuff. Um, because I want to talk about a Restoration Games joint. Now I know I said this to you, and you were like, Steve. You really like restoration games. And I was like, as a matter of fact, yes, I do. Full disclosure, I did work at their booth once. Um, but I was really just shouting about Fireball Island. I don't know if that really counts. I mean, shouting about Fireball Island is legit as heck. Yeah. But my job was to get people to sign up for the uh, Fireball Island uh, mailing list. Easiest job I have ever had. It was it it, it was crazy. I um, believe it. So they got this new game. It's coming out of Gen Con. You will see it um, flying off shelves, I am sure. It is called Unmatched, um, and it is uh, the Battle of Legends. 
What's legendary about it? I want to know more. Okay, well, I'm uh, trust me, I'm gonna get you. Okay, so this is a one v one. It's a one v one or two v two game as of right okay. now. They are working on some other rules to allow it to be a skirmish game, but it's really meant to be one v one or two v two. And this is um, a miniatures duel game where you play as legends. Ooh. Um, and you fight each other. Um, so basically, you have a miniature that moves around the board, and you uh, and you you battle using decks of cards. Um, everybody, each of the characters has their own. I believe there are thirty card decks um, that are unique to them. Um, that have like a cool like kind of clash mechanic for combat. You know, I swing with offense. You play a defense card. We Love play it. face down. Um, but you can also burn those cards to gain additional movement, and then each player has cards that do shenanigans. You know, de- you know, depending upon who they are. Now, what kind of shenanigans can they do? I'm gonna bear with me. I'm gonna get to you now. The base I'm just, game. I'm just gonna keep asking you questions. You're just asking hard engaging, questions. I'm trying you're to asking, engage you in conversation, Steve. You're asking me the hard questions because you're a journalist. What I'm here for. Oh no! Um, oh no! My journalist hat. So I can take it off. The first four. No, trust me. I knew what was happening when I invited you to be a permanent host on the show. <laughs> so the first, the the core game comes with four characters: uh, King Arthur, Medusa, Alice of Alice in Wonderha- Wonderland, what? and Sinbad. Um, and so um, the key is each character also has like an ally or a minion. Who, so, for example, King Arthur has Merlin, and Alice, uh, I forget who Alice has. I actually never played as her. Uh, and Sinbad has, like, pirates. I would assume she's got her white rabbit. I, or the I, Cheshire cat. I would probably assume that, but I actually don't know. Um, so I don't want to make, I don't want to be wrong, but she has a, but they have dudes. And so the idea is you can move your guys around the map. Um, and you can move both your main character and also the allies. The main characters are these beautifully sculpted figures. If you want to see, uh, somewhat what they look like, um, actually it turns out I didn't post any pictures of them on my Instagram yet, but, uh, just go to the Restoration Games page, you'll see the sculpts are amazing. They are perfect for painting. Um, and that is the base game. Now, they are going to, the plan is to release multiple expansions. They have several that are coming. One of them will be available at Gen Con. One will be coming out this fall. I believe two of them will be coming out this fall. And one of them I can't talk about, but it's amazing. Oh. Um, so the first expansion is Robin Hood versus Bigfoot. Oh, super cool. Um, and spoilers, Bigfoot's trick is that he's fast. Because he gets in and out of hiding very quickly. Oh. Um, and uh, his 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 ally is the jackalope. <laughs> That's um, great, though. And so, and the uh, and Robin Hood has outlaws. He does not have merry men because there are multiple of them, and it is very difficult to refer to one merry men. Right, because it's not a merry man. Because that's weird. So for editing purposes, I mean, technically it is, but it would be hella confusing. It would be, and it would be an editor's nightmare. So they decided to say that all of their merry men were outlaws. That's also, they wanted to be inclusive. I also like that. So they're outlaws. So, um, so that's the first expansion. 
now. Are you ready? I'm ready for my mind to be blown. Blow my the mind. Next one is Bruce Lee. Oh! <gasps> and I need this game. Bruce Lee doesn't have an ally. Bruce Lee doesn't need an he ally. Need one. And um, you know what the yes, we are talking about the restoration games thing that I am now bringing back from Gen Con. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, he got it. He uh, his ears perked up. So what this is, it's worth mentioning that this is a reskin because you know restoration games, they reskin um older like they they reskin um older games. This is a reskin of. Uh, Star Wars Epic Duels. So, um, alright, so... And this is also being published by Mondo Games, who... Mondo Games has a whole slew of licenses. That's one of the ways that they got Bruce Lee. He is an initial... So, um, he is a solo pack. It's one dude. Um, and later on this year... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, the one from the TV show. That's so cool. Who does um, Buffy come with? Uh, we don't know yet. They just said Ooh. the first major licensed set is Buffy the Vampire Slayer is how they refer to there, it. We don't have any more information than that, Mike. Mike's very excited. But Buffy's going to... There's going to be an expansion for Buffy. Um, this is going to eat our money. Well, they're not... There's there's not a million of them. However, if... Um, just but because, you've met us. You understand how we operate. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I know. Um... I just sent you a thing which you can't repeat. But I've digested it, and that is hype as heck. So this is the idea is Mondo Games um, has access to. I mean, it's not like they have carte blanche to do whatever they want, but it definitely makes licensing easier because they have relationships with all these companies, etc. Mm -hmm. um, so if this is successful, which I have played many games of this um and i've played as almost all the characters um this is legit um it is uh the the minis are cool the art is cool the color scheme is cool the boards are neat um i suspect that this will be going for quite some time um and yeah it's real good uh, it doesn't hurt that rob daviau <laughs> made star wars duels <laughs> And now he's I so mean, like he knows I mean. what he is doing. So these cards, okay. it used to be Jedi and Sith fighting, and now it is legendary heroes. Um, and all of them are very, very different and play very, very different. So for example, um, you know, Medusa. Well, Alice, for example, um, she can either be very large or very small, and depending on what size she is. That depend that changes her powers, right? Um, Sinbad is all about moving, um, and so he's a, and he's all about collecting his legends. You know the legends, you know. So as he collects them, he gets bonus movement. So eventually, there are seven legends. So eventually, he gets all seven of them and is just flying around the board doing whatever he wants. Um, <laughs> Uh, Medusa is like an assassin so it's very much like I'm going to whittle down your defenses and I have a few cards that if you don't counter these cards I'm going to get you you just never know when I'm going to be swinging um, you know King Arthur has Merlin so like you know eat it <laughs> um, but King Arthur also can hit you with Excalibur and has funky ways to get that card back and do stuff um, very cool stuff very cool concepts um, what I really like is every character their decks 
all have a unique color concept um, that, you know, you put the decks next to each other. Like, King Arthur is red and blue. And nobody else is red and blue. So, it. Um, it just looks really... It just All the components just look really nice. Um, this is one of those Sounds things... really high quality. That, yes. Um, it's coming out at Gen Con, so you will see it. Um, and there will be... Uh, so, it at Gen Con will be the base game and also Robin Hood versus Bigfoot, which is a standalone expansion, by the way. You can just play Robin Hood versus Bigfoot. Um, and any of the heroes, they're all balanced against each other. Um, and you can also play 2v2. You know, you and I versus the world, for example. Um, Do it. I call dibs on Bigfoot. I'm the best at Bigfoot. Um, I don't think you. I like to think I'm the best Bigfoot in the world right now. Um, because there's not many Bigfoot players in the world. Anyway, so that is unmatched. Um, the Battle of Legends. Um, just the box is cool, you know? The like, box art is neat. Yeah. So, um, and Alice looks real angry in it. Um. Which I'm here for. Yeah. So, yo, she's angry. She's fighting with a, with a, like a crazy kitchen knife. So, um, so yeah, that's unmatched Battle of Legends. Um, man, is it so fun. It's so good. I need to play this game. I need it in my life. The good news is, you will. Because will. you're gonna be... At the place where the magic happens. Um, so, what else have you played? So that's that's my entry to the discussion. That's, that's fantastic. Well, the next thing that I played is I went off to Philly last Friday, and we went to an event that was all about kids on bikes. And so, just to get yeah, right? Hello, kids on bikes. So we played kids on bikes with uh, Doug Lewandowski, who is the co-designer of Kids quick, on Bikes. Um, if you could give the quick elevator pitch for Kids on Bikes I for those who have not listened to before. I sure will. So Kids on Bikes is uh, inspired by shows like Stranger Things, The Goonies, you know, the very, very much so about like intrepid kids, kids and teens going out into the spooky world and solving mysteries and, you know, meeting crazy characters that uh, they help to create. It's a collaborative storytelling game. Mm -hmm. So it isn't about just a dungeon master or a game master pulling together a story. It's a lot about going into character development, relationship development, and building a story together. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all perfectly tailored to the people that are playing at the table. They have released um, a couple of cool modules for the game. So that if you are not really up to building your own story, you can play one of their pre-made stories and they give you the beats and they give you the, the things that they have in the, in the town. And you can still kind of like build that story off of the bones that they've given you. I'm super excited by that because I will admit that I am a little intimidated with the idea of starting like on my own, but having like a little bit of help from them. Um, it's great. Super hype. So so Kids on Bikes is published by uh, Renegade Games, and mm -hmm. Renegade has, like, all kinds of really interesting games. Like, they have Overlight, which is another, you know, tabletop RPG. I haven't played it yet, but we have it. And so anyway, last Friday, we went out to Philly. Mike and I went to Philly. And we sat down with Doug, who helped co-design the game. 
And he told us that, like, after he watched, you know, halfway through the first season of Stranger Things, he's like, I have to make this into uh, into an RPG. So that's mm-hmm. that's legit where the inspiration for the game came from. Sure. So we sat down and we rolled characters. You know, I was playing this 12-year-old scout. So part of it is if you really want to, you can go to the back of the book and you can pick out character tropes. And these tropes are things like the eccentric rec- recluse. It's so if you want to play as an adult, there are a bunch of adult tropes like the blue collar worker. Um, I was playing as a kid, so I was playing as a scout. So just like an outdoorsy, you know, rumbles around the forest and doesn't like people kind of trope. Sure. Um, as one Mike does. was the of course, and Mike was the funny sidekick, and <laughs> so he was making lots of jokes and being a gross little brother because it turned out that he was, you know, related to somebody else playing at the table because part of the world building is, you know, the the GM rolls the dice and you figure out whether or not you have a positive or a negative relationship with this character. It turns out that in the game, my character and Mike's character, so he was playing a 13-year-old and I was playing a 12-year-old. We apparently were like boyfriend and girlfriend. I thought that we'd broken up in the game. Apparently we didn't. And we got halfway through the game, or most of the way through the game, and it got really awkward. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I guess we are broken up. Um, Not broken up? Um, So you were like a 12-year-old and a 13-year-old, actually. Yeah. So we were super awkward and uncomfortable. So anyway, it was... As one does. As one does. And then a sentient jar of mayo showed up and attacked Mike and Mike is Mike's character in real life and in the game hates mayo is desperately afraid of mayo in fact so that was one of the things that we ended up doing um, on the weekend we did that last Friday night we traveled down to Philly and we played with a bunch of people from the kids on bikes podcast so the uh, the bike brigade so that was really fun playing with a bunch of professional podcasters so yeah that was one of the things that we did. And then I t- we took the game, some of the notes and things that we learned about playing the game back with us so that we played with our kids on Sunday. Okay. And so I sat down in the GM chair. We'd already done a bunch of world building together. We knew who our characters were. We knew how they were related. And we just started playing. And, you know, Vivian, our youngest uh, kid, is seven, almost seven. She's an exceptional storyteller. Like, this girl gets way deep into the stories like anytime she brings home a project and it happens to be a storybook she goes ham like she is all over it yeah so we were getting her to like make a bunch of rolls and she was following these like these strange looking lights into the forest and mike's character was following her and um, she found out that there's a heartbeat at the center of the forest and that these little these little lights that are running around are actually actually little fairies but she hasn't really figured out that they're fairies she just thinks they're tiny people so that was really fun we had a bunch of fun doing a bunch of world crafting and character crafting and story building together and it was very collaborative so that was my other incredibly fun tabletop experience yeah you know i have been i mean really since Dungeons and Dragons kicked off like full steam at our house with two campaigns going and a third one on the way and several one shots being planned. Like we're all in, 
Yeah, it's crazy. I'm Wow. Um, My kids yeah. are a little too little yet. They'll get there. Yeah, I mean, trust me, in a handful of years, you guys are going to be playing a lot of Dungeons & Dragons, I have a feeling. Um, getting people together probably won't be too hard. Um, we are all so, in the same house, as a matter exactly. of fact. Um, exactly. Um, you don't have to worry about that kind of scheduling. Um, but Kids on Bikes is a game that has been on my radar for a while, and as it turns out, um, now, I am not into it and have not been watching Stranger Things at all um, because it's not my jam. Um, I'm a grown man. I'm afraid of the dark. So horror things. Um, oh, for, you yeah. don't like spoops. But you can make it totally fun. No, and you wait, can make wait. it funny. So I'm not into the show. However, um, The Goonies is not is not spoopy. And that's that's kids on bikesy. So mm-hmm. um, I am all in on this. Also, for those listening... The Kids on Bikes core rulebook is less than $20 on Amazon. It's worth it. So um, grab it, it grab it for the art alone, just because it's really like a cool art style. Um, you know, it, it, if you are um, a family that likes the idea of collaborative storytelling through a game, but maybe Dungeons & Dragons is just like a little bit too much. Which, it's a little intimidating. Which I can understand and appreciate, right? There's a lot of folks mm-hmm. for which Dungeons & Dragons is too much. In fact, I think there's a lot of folks that Dungeons & Dragons is too much, but Gloomhaven is just right. And that's really just because Dungeons & Dragons, the name, is intimidating. Because Gloomhaven is insane and complicated. I know you know. Um, oh, so, um, but people will play these intense box role-playing games just because Dungeons & Dragons is just... It's D&D. Kids on Bikes is decidedly not that. Um, but it is yeah. still some of the same experience. So it's a great way to ramp into that. It's a great way, especially if you got kids that are really into that kind of thing. Um, I also think, and this is a quiet thought of mine, is um, this game is all about kids who get outside and explore, which is something that I don't know them. that a lot of kids are not necessarily hungry to do. Um, and I think on a very... Or just can't because they live in a city. Or they can't. This gives you that experience. I am fortunate that I am in a suburb, and I am hoping that perhaps this will encourage my children to maybe go find the monster outside because, you know, there isn't one, but it means they'll be out doing stuff. Um, but I am... What, Jake? Oh, well, there's definitely no monsters. Um, so like fairies, though. Def- there's definitely fairies somewhere, I'm sure. Um, we've talked. We talked all about uh, fairy trees on the way to drop Evan off at camp. That's important. Um, so the so that's kids on bikes. Yeah. Um, and so I uh, I'm gonna have to uh, chat with you more about that offline um, because I am and I'm also working on like a whole list of uh, while this past weekend I was at a going away party and I'm actually working on a list of tabletop role playing games for people that don't want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and this right at the top of the list. Um, and I can help you with crafting the rest of that, Brando. I am all up. I am all up for that. I will I run so down some of the suggestions that were given to me and you can help me find more. So, uh-huh. so we will definitely be doing that. Um, maybe mm-hmm. we should, maybe we should just collaborate on I love it. the process. Um, and and get two things out of it rather than just one. Um, how about this? Um, I want to talk about Wingspan because I got to play Wingspan. I, I, I haven't gotten to play Wingspan. So let's talk about Wingspan. 
Um, if you don't know what Wingspan is, Wingspan is a game about bird watching. Just, just chilling with some birds. Um, I love birds. Okay. Um, it is 100% lives up to the hype. Really? Is it? Yes. It Dang. lives up to the hype. Um, not like the angry hype. I'm talking about like the hype. Because there's a bunch of people that got really mad. Like angry hype? I haven't seen any angry hype. Really? Do I just you... live under a rock? No, I think you've sequestered yourself from the garbage. Um, you deal with enough uh, elsewhere. I have a I have a block list, so that might help. That might have also been part of it. So the long and short is um, Wingspan is a game about birding. It's an engine building game. What an engine building game is, is every turn you take steps that basically um, give you things to do or give you things that happen automatically when you take other actions or make it easier to take other actions. Um, and so um, you, the goal of Wingspan is to have the best collection of birds that you have seen, because that's what bird watching is, right? Like you say, oh, I found this bird, and you stamp the picture, etc. Um, yeah, maybe you take pictures of it, etc. In this case, you are laying out cards on your pretty little tableau. Now, um, here's the most important rule about Wingspan, um, and it's not in the rule book. Is it is it you never talk about wingspan because I feel no. like you broke that rule? Nope, it's not it. That's Fight Club. Okay. Oh right, I'm sorry, my bad. Um, and uh, so wingspan, the number one rule of wingspan is not in the rule book, and that is there are fun facts about birds at the bottom of those cards. You must Bird read facts. the fun facts. For example, did you know that mallards are the most common duck in North America? I did, in fact, know that. You, you, you did. That's probably a Canadian thing. Um, it's probably a Canadian thing. It's true. Also, you're smart. So, like, it's probably, probably like, if you thing. thought about it. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's a Canadian thing. I don't know. Um, so, basically, here's how it works. Um, every turn, you can only do, like, you can do one thing, basically. It's kind of like a ticket to ride scenario. You can do one thing. You can play a bird from your hand. Play verbs. Um, you can uh, lay eggs, um, or you can gather food. Feed birds. That's it. Um, oh, or you can draw more birds. Okay, um, I like so that's more it. Birds. So, um, and the idea, and the game takes place over um, how many turns is it? I think it's like nine turns. It plays out over a series of turns. <laughs> I think it's nine. I want to say it's nine, maybe eight forgive me um and so the uh and there are three different places you can put birds you can put them in the trees you can put them in the fields or, you, or they can be water birds okay um and so and each of those actually each of those areas is representative of a different action so for example um the water birds influence drawing more cards and in the fields is where you lay eggs and in the trees is where you get food okay that makes um, sense so you're gathering food so that you can put down birds because you need to feed the birds in order to attract them. Um, you need – and so it is you know, a certain bird – and all the birds are worth different points. You'll have different um, – you actually have quests at the beginning where it's like if you play – if you have a certain number of birds that have a body part in their name like hornbill or red wing oh. or – there's there are some uh, there are some interesting arguments to be had when children are not around about what things are or are not body parts. Um, 
That's the After Dark version. The the After Dark version. It does give you an explicit list of what is or is not a body part. I think deliberately. Uh, But also, there's one about color. And then there's some about water birds, etc. Because, you know, there's lots of birds that have colors in their name. Yes. Um... And so basically you, you play through um, and the way you build the, your mach- your engine is that for each of the actions that you can take as you play birds in that row, some of the birds will have a brown stripe at the bottom. And if they have a brown stripe at the bottom, that action is taken every time you hey. choose. So for example, if you play a water bird that has a brown stripe on it, every time you draw cards, you do the thing. So for example, one of mine was... Um, a bird that let me, whenever I drew cards, draw three additional cards and then discard two. So I would draw whatever the cards were, and then I would draw three more and then discard two. So I had more hand selection, right? Makes sense. Um, There are some that are predatory birds. So um, as you draw birds off the top, you might be able to eat them and place them face down underneath that bird for bonus points at the end of the game, etc., etc. Um... This game is super cool. Um, the art is amazing, and that's probably Sounds the best part of the rad. game. Um, the it, it the only downside to this game is that it is possible to just murder yourself in the first turn and not have a huge way of catching up unless you are very good. Uh, one of the people that I played with in my first game um, made two did you can make one mistake, but you can't make two in a row. Oh, otherwise so she made two mistakes in a row and then was playing from behind, uh, as she described it, playing for her own entertainment oh. um, uh, for the rest of the game. And so that's the one downside. But as long as you don't make super bad mistakes every turn, you're pretty. You're going to be pretty okay. Um, Sweet. This game is relatively hard to find, um, but my understanding is that it is available on the Amazon now. Ooh. I will look. I'm going to go take a look on the Amazon now. I am also looking on the Amazon now. Um, no, it is not available on the Amazon now. Uh, well, I mean, it is, but it's not cheap. Um, so the game retails for between 50 and 60. That's its MSRP. Um, but all the prices online, I mean, they, they're upwards they of are, It is really expensive. So don't do that. Yeah. Um, I guarantee you, since you're going to Gen Con, you will see copies of it for sale there. Um, I will take a look for for Wingspan. It does sound like it is definitely my kind of game. I do enjoy engine building games, and so oh do my man. kids. So who doesn't like a good engine building game? Um, only people who don't know what they are. <laughs> um, I think once uh, people experience it, um, it's a lot of fun. This is one of those games that you really build momentum. You can really play, and at the end, with the exception of the one person who really just kind of stopped playing, I think she could have got caught up, but she got really more concerned with like laying eggs every turn and making sure all of her eggs were blue, which, by the way, the color of the eggs don't matter at all. Um, so, so, um, anyway. So, yeah, that's my game. It's Wingspan. We played some really cool games. We did. And, man, um, and we have more for a couple of weeks because we're going to be doing more crazy stuff. So, um, Amanda. Yes. This has been episode 189 of Engage a Family Gaming Podcast. I can't believe it's almost 200. Nobody stopped me yet. I'm like a no mad scientist. Um, so, I hope you folks enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. Um, I only have one favor to ask. First, Amanda is Amanda Farrow on Twitter, and she runs Super Parent. 
Um, and so go there, subscribe to their mailing list, do all the appropriate stuff with a website that you like because they help support us. Um, and the other thing is we're really pushing that Facebook. So if you don't like us on Facebook yet, be on Facebook, yeah. be in our community. Yes. Our community is hopping. It is hopping. It's crazy. Um, so head on over to engagefamilygaming.com slash community and join our group or like us on Facebook, uh, which is facebook.com slash engagefamilygaming or engagefamilygaming.com slash Facebook because we're fancy. So, um, everybody, we will see you next week for video game time. And until next time... Video games. Yes, lots of video games. Um, And uh, until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in next.